0: Right. Let me Push. get all set up here for the podcast. Do, 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 do.
1: Get to my notes. Where the <laughs> are they? There, they
0: <laughs> Right. You've got your notes, John. Have you got your notes? I've got some notes. Yep. And, and look, we've we've been caught getting ready for this week's podcast. Um, before we start for the music uh, this week on the podcast, we've got an interview with journalist Stuart Weir who co-wrote Doddy Weir's autobiography. So while you're here, in this part of the podcast, before it's even started, why not donate to the My Names Doddy Foundation? All you have to do is text the word Doddy, that's D-O-D-D-I-E, to 70970 to donate £5 with the money coming off your credit uh, or your phone bill. I think normal rates apply, I'm assuming. Go to the website if you're not sure and you want to check that out. What I'm going to do, it doesn't take long to do this i'm going to play 30 seconds of the super mario brothers music for you while you do it so it shouldn't take longer than that so that's the word doddy to 70970 on you go Seven oh nine seven oh, on you go. Right on with the podcast. Hello, um, welcome to the podcast. Um, It's a Scottish rugby podcast, the only rugby podcast that cares about how the new Jean-Luc Picard Star Trek TV series will deal with the fact that Spock Prime followed Nero through the wormhole into the past, setting in motion a chain of events that has seemingly rewritten Star Trek history. Um, We are also the only rugby podcast that all the other podcasts are talking about, um, and that is a fact. Um, This week... We've reunited the dream team. We've flung them into the machine Jeff Goldblum invented in The Fly. It combined their DNA to create the two-headed abomination of G and Anderhey. <laughs>
1: good evening. How how are you no, no. both? It's pretty good, thanks. Well, sorry, shouldn't be. How are we singular?
0: How are we? Yes. You both uh, fine.
1: Pedantic for one from Glasgow, Ian. <laughs> uh, well, you know. Te- well, I was. When I was born, I was born in Rotherland, which was part of Glasgow at the time, but uh, born and raised in Canberts Lang, well raised in Canberts Lang, which is now South Lanarkshire. So uh, am I truly a Ouija? Who knows?
0: Who knows? The shift uh, of the boundary. I had an, I had a long argument um, with a woman about where I was born when I registered the birth of my uh, my daughter. I said, where were you born? I was born in Leith. And she said, I can't find Leith on the map. I was like, it's an ember, so I'll just put ember down. I was like, oh, was one in leaf. It's not em-. So Anyway. The um, proclaimers would not be happy with they that. Would, they would certainly not. Um, Nor would other And <laughs> um, We'll queue up a bit more music here. So this is uh, for our uh, little bit on... Ooh, a good life today. Um, don't forget, you can get in touch with us via the blog scottishrugbyblog.co.uk on the email podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk, Twitter at Cami Black or at Scott Rugby Blog, and we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, we're going to start with an apology uh, first off to Fee, um, who got in touch to complain that I'd said Ali Price was from Norwich. He is, in fact, from Norfolk, from Kings Uh We like to get our facts straight. So any other fact checks anyone wants to do, do get in touch. Um, we also normally start with Crap Excuses, um, where we read out crap excuses your teammates have given for missing a game or training. Uh, this week, Rob McGeeken got in touch on Twitter after Will Carling was appointed as leadership guru to the England side to remind us that Carling's girlfriend had to be flown out during the 93 Lions Tour to make him feel better after he lost out on the captaincy to Gavin Hastings. So um good to have a good to have a celebrity uh, crap excuses um this week. Um now last week to coincide with the game against Wales, Doddy Weir launched his autobiography, My Name's Doddy. and uh, we caught up with co-author and one of Doddy's closest friends, Stuart Weir, to find out how they put it together. Uh, we're joined now by Stuart Weir, journalist and consultant and longtime friend of Doddy Weir, who has co-written Doddy's autobiography, My Name's Doddy, which is out now. Uh, thanks for joining us, Stuart. Good afternoon. Um, first questions first um, It's our standard question for anyone that comes on the podcast is what club socks you'd wear if you were called up for the Barbarians
2: Well I would love to make it something exotic and say something like the Argentinian Pumas uh, but unfortunately it would have to be uh, something like uh, DL High School for my pupils um, so it would be uh, blue socks um, very very plain, very simple um, and those would be the, the, the socks I would uh, I would pick uh, when I went, when I was at school, um, rugby was just a, a fledgling sport. Uh, we got a new rector at the school who decided that football was not for him and introduced <laughs> all sorts of things like hockey, which I uh, became the, the captain of the hockey team, and rugby. But because we were limited in numbers, uh, several of us ended up decanting to DL High School uh, and then on to the FPs. So I was playing for DL High School former pupils when I was 15, um, they didn't have a coach side then. This was way before <laughs> anything like that. So, um, you know, you, you always had the you always had the, uh, the kind of feeling that one, one or two of the guys were actually sort of taking it easy on you. Except when I played one day at Carter Queens Park and I was stuck out in the wing and somebody said, we need somebody to play scrum half. And I said, well, I'll play scrum half for you. And they went, OK. Uh, and the first scrum, I picked the ball up was caught by the opposition number eight and <laughs> and thrown onto the top of the scrum. And you'd all these guys basically start to punch and fight with each other because they, they, they'd never... They'd never felt anybody landing on top of them before at a scrum, <laughs> maybe underneath, maybe underneath them, but never on top of them. Uh, and, at, and at that point in time, uh, the captain that day suggested that I went back out on the wing and uh, I'd be safer out there rather than fighting with an entire an entire scrum with two sets of forwards.
0: <laughs> so did you did you take your rugby much beyond school then? Uh,
2: well, I, I, I did, well I, I sort of did. But then uh, it was back in the day when if you picked up enough injuries, (laughs) you missed work, Uh, and that wasn't very um, that wasn't uh, looked kindly upon. It was actually frowned upon by your uh, employers. Uh, And after that, I had one or two, one or two injuries, one or two actually quite bad injuries, and I just decided to call it a day. Um, And uh, you know, and that that was it. It was was what could have been. I could have been a contender. but uh it, it wasn't to be
0: yeah so you've you've known Doddy Weir for about 20 years then so how how did you both
2: meet uh well he he was uh a, a young giraffe um <laughs> when he was selected for Scotland for the the World Cup in 1991 he was a bit of a kind of uh, how can you put it Uh, a left field selection he'd made his debut the season before he'd missed out in the the five nations as it was but uh, one or two of the more senior players realised that the way rugby was going you needed somebody who had a natural natural jump uh, and who was actually a bit of an athlete uh, and Doddy ticked those boxes so here he had a guy who you know he actually has a in his day had quite a an unnatural leap. He actually could leap a lot higher than, you know, guys of a similar stature and a similar similar height. So that was um, that got him into the team. Uh, I covered a bit of the ninety-one World Cup. Uh, got to speak to him, um, and I've sort of got you know got to got to know him. He was actually quite quiet, quite shy, I suppose. Uh, and then a couple of years after that I started doing rugby more seriously uh and we just we just got chatting and one of our, my former editors happened to listen to the conversation that he and I were were having and suggested that when I was at the Evening Times um that it'd be quite a good idea if we get we get Doddy to 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 do a column. Now the Evening Times had plenty of scope to do rugby back in the day, because you had the likes of West of Scotland, GHK, um, and, uh, you know, in and around Glasgow, uh, but um, they decided that, that Doddy was actually a bit of a, a personality, if you managed to teasel some of the words out of him, and that <laughs> and that's how it started, and and that was, um, this was, remember, this is back in the day before you had mobile phones, so if you wanted Doddy, you almost had to book an appointment with him, so I became... Uh, Sort of friendly with his mother and father because they were the they were his secretaries at the time, <laughs> and um, you would you know I would I, would, I would arrange a time. Needless to say, a lot of the time he wasn't there. and He'd have to phone you back. But uh, that that's how we, we we started, got to know each other, and when I moved titles uh, and went to the Mirror, and uh, we signed up Doddy again for. As a columnist for, you know, Five Nations and World Cups and the likes, and and that was it. We 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 hit it off very early on, and have been been friends ever since.
0: Yeah. So how how did the book come about? Because I, I was thinking about this, and and Doddy's, Doddy's love of telling stories. I'm surprised he hasn't had one out already.
2: Well, if you if you actually uh, look at the um, look at my acknowledgement in the book, you'll see that uh, I actually. You know, actually, say about about that. That back in nineteen, fact back in two thousand, it would be uh, Doddy was due to go with uh, Scotland on tour, and this was at a time, remember, when professionalism was was on the up and up, and he just decided he he needed a rest. Um, other people had decided uh, that they were going to have a rest, and and he was just. The demands of playing for Newcastle Falcons and for Scotland um, during the the, the the Five Nations, which then became the Six Nations, had become a, 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 bit, a bit too demanding. So he decided he was going to have a rest-up during the summer. Um, at that point in time, I think he was only a handful of caps off being the top uh, cap winner for Scotland. I think only Scott Hastings was ahead of him uh, at that point in time. And Doddy decided he was going to take the summer off, and that was that was the end of his Scotland career almost. Um, he, he made I think he played against the Barbarians again, and maybe get called up for uh, a squad here or there. Um, but the the fact was that uh, after 61 caps, he was um, no longer uh, needed. So he was surplus to requirements. So we, during that summer when he was humming and high, I said, well, if you want something to occupy yourself. Let's write a book. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And needless to say, nothing came of it. And nothing came of it over the next 17 summers that we talked about. <laughs> it. Um, but I, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, and, you know, events uh, as they've been, we've ended up, I think, with a, a far better book and a far better story than if we'd written it. 18 years ago. If I had written one 18 years ago, we might have been on to a second uh, autobiography. But the, the way as it, um, it wasn't to be. Um, he had a, a long bit of his career still to go as a, a player with Newcastle and with uh, Border Reivers, uh, and you know then he'd, he moved into other other circles and other fields and, and, and around rugby. But of course, um, everything that's happened in the last 18 months to two years have put a completely different perspective and spin on on the story uh so i have to say uh thankfully we didn't write that book 20 years ago and we've had a, a completely fresh story to tell
0: yeah i mean it It really sort of seems to be resonating with people i mean um the, i'm just sort of interested in how, how you went about writing it then was that just a case of sort of pinning doddy down it, with some time and and getting the stories down or was there a bit...
2: <laughs> it was um Again, uh, in the book, I said it was as easy as nailing jelly to a wall. <laughs> um, do- Doddy doesn't, um, he's a bit, uh, for any any football followers out there of a certain age, he's a bit like Ali McCoy's, that he he understands the concept of time but doesn't necessarily adhere to it. <laughs> so it, it, when when the offer came from Black and White uh, Publishing to, to do the book, you know, I I I said to him, I said this is this is something we should oh sorry about that something we should uh, something we should go for and something we should should look at. I'm I'm not saying he was totally convinced by that, but he did um, eventually say yeah okay. Um, and then so the book, even though I was I was making copious notes. Doddy's take on what uh, an autobiography was, even though he, he was having some assistance with it, he thought that he just said yes and put his name to it and I would do the rest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and 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 there 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 was um uh, there was an element of that, but ultimately you still it still needs to be his words and it still needs to be his his thoughts. On on subjects, um, so whilst I could come up with various headings that I thought he might actually want to mention, a lot of it then was disappearing down uh, different roads and flying off at tangents, and and sometimes disappearing up railway sidings with with uh, nowhere to go, and then having to reverse back out of them again. But he, he we, we stuck with it. The, the other thing that I was uh, kind of pretty certain of early on was that we we couldn't write this book um, in maybe the fashion that other people would write books. You know, I was born, I grew up, I went to school, I played rugby, I did this I did that and now this is what's happening now because there were so many different component parts to the book and to Doddy's life and his story that meant that you had to piece it together slightly differently. Um, one or two people have have um, actually complimented um, him and myself on how the book has um, actually actually been pieced together. Simply because it's not a normal story. It's almost like you had to, parts of it you had to reverse engineer because there's more of a story around just now than there is at other parts um, during his lifetime, and we had to knit. All of that together, uh, I think the publishers um, were having palpitations. Um, at at uh, it was it was a bit like piecing together an Airfix model kit, except I, I sat for a while admiring the box before I actually opened it, <laughs> and, and I and I think they were they were they were kind of twitchy getting closer to deadlines and the likes. Uh, But fortunately, they stopped once I'd explained it, and once I'd I'd written a couple of chapters, and and I wrote one chapter in particular, uh, and let them read that, and and I think once they once they saw that chapter, I think they appreciated what the what the kind of story was going to be like. That it was it was going to be a real roller coaster of emotions. And um, you know they they gave us time to actually complete it and finish it as as how we wanted to do it and I have to thank them for that. But back to to, to Doddy, as I say, maybe having said all those years I want to write a book, it took him a while to to finally agree to it, and then um, so I didn't actually start formally interviewing him, so to speak, or um, I didn't I, we didn't start actually any of the kind of Chats until it was the end of May almost, um, and I went with him to Coventry um, for two reasons. One, to share the driving with him because it's it was a, a haul up and down, and I had to get back on uh, that night to do something on the Saturday anyway. Uh, but also, I knew I would then have a captive audience, and I get his <laughs> phone, his phone switched off. There was no escape, so we we basically chatted for. About five hours down and um, about three three and a half hours coming back up because I drove and wasn't quite adhering to the speed limit. Um, <laughs> but we 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 put a lot down on on tape and uh, once I had transcribed all of that, which I which I eventually did um, part way through my summer holidays in Gran Canaria, poolside at four o'clock in the morning. Um, at least we had the best. We had the best sun loungers in the in the hotel because <laughs> I was I was um, I was downstairs and got uh, a lot of strange looks for people who thought they were they were up early only to find me sitting typing away. Uh, and that and that one car journey gave us the best part of about maybe fifteen seventeen thousand words. Unfortunately, I knew that I had seventeen thousand words, and we needed about seventy-five thousand. Doddy thought that one car journey was enough to write an entire book. So, <laughs> so, so thereafter, thereafter, there was a. a, a I was a bit like uh, a bit like Annika Rice all those years ago in pursuit of people, chasing them around the country, namely Doddy. and I think he was trying to avoid me at all costs as well. So. It, the, the other bits of the book took a bit longer, but again, other bits of the book were, for want of a better description, were a bit more sensitive, and I'd even use the word harrowing because of what the subject matter had become. And the two of us stuck with it, although it wasn't easy. Some days, I mean, one day he and I spent about four hours together, and I managed to get about. 1500 words written just because it was a, you know I used the, the phrase before a complete roller coaster of emotions because it's, it's it's difficult to ask the questions but it was difficult to ask them of someone who is a really close friend and it was even more difficult to watch him trying to give honest answers so there were you know, you can only you can only have so many cups of tea or cups of coffee or um, walks in the fresh air uh, until you come back to it. But I, you know, I'll, I'll I'll be honest. He was extremely brave at that point in time as well, and saw it through. And um, you know, for people still to read the book, I won't I won't upset them um, or um, give away any of the kind of plot lines, so to speak. But anybody who has read the book will know what I'm, what I'm talking about because it's it was extremely difficult for him to explain where he is in his life and what the you know the consequences of the condition that he has are um but he's put it down in paper now and uh, I wouldn't say he's, he's, he's basking in the glory of that because the, the the battle and the fight still continues but he is at least he has it down in paper now and that's that was that's a, a real achievement for him
0: yeah, I mean, for for you, no one so well, were, were there any sort of surprises for you as you were writing the book? I mean, you don't have to give away any spoilers, but was there any sort of surprise you as you were going through that the process?
2: Yeah, he hasn't a clue what he's done in his career. <laughs> I, I'm not sure about it because because he was he, he was permanently in scrums or at the bottom of rocks, but he doesn't. So some matches he has real clarity uh, of of. Um, things that happen, I'd say he's, he's, he probably remembers more about the uh, the off-piece stuff. <laughs> you know, that I play rugby than uh, he does anything during matches. But if you if he if he talk long enough to him, he and 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 threw through, through him enough enough lines. Um, it's a bit like anybody who watches Father Ted when you're trying to explain to Dougal about falling out the helicopter into the zoo um, and and. and Eventually, eventually, you know, he remembers everything that happened because you said you were wearing your your, your blue tank top that day. Well, that's a bit like Doddy. It was <laughs> it was almost like you had to to break it down into component parts for him to remember certain things. But it was it was the other thing. It was staggering was that he actually remembered the most obscure and minuscule details of the stupidest things. For instance, uh, uh, again, I won't spoil it, but he remembered somebody's real first name, which I, I know if it was... A, a great many rugby aficionados wouldn't know this, but Doddy remembered it because he saw it in the programme and, and obviously said to the the, the, the the person in question, I didn't know that was your name. <laughs> so it was... Uh, th- those, those kind of things were quite enlightening. Um, I, I, and again, it, it, this is it's not a book in terms of um facts and figures and um you know, I did this and we scored these points. If you if you want to read something like that, just come out right to my house and I'll give you some old Rothman rugby books um and you can you can read those but it's it's more his take and his perspective on certain things. So for instance, losing Calcutta Cup matches or um winning uh, with Newcastle or uh, getting picked for the Lions, you know again there the, the, there are details in there, but it's his it's his take on those moments in his career and his lifetime that are interesting, not necessarily the the the, the stats. If, it, if it's stats you're looking for, I would suggest you go elsewhere because it's it, this is this is uh, this is Doddy's take on on things, and um, you know the, the, there is one in particular. That he has used um, in his after dinner routine for about 15 years, which uh, only now he's actually realised is factually incorrect. <laughs> and not, not only not only is it incorrect, um, if 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 the person uh, who uh, who uh, who is let's say the named party and all of this, if he ever took exception to it and actually decided to do them for. Uh, for libel on it <laughs> he would have a very good case uh, <laughs> because because doddy blamed blamed somebody for not doing a job and found out once uh and i had to show i had to show him it online and i had to show him it in black and white before he believed me um that it was it was not the party that he said it was or thought it was it was somebody else <laughs> so he has he has uh, issued a few apologies um and has basically said how enlightening it was writing a book because if, because finally after like twenty 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 two or twenty three years he has identified the the real culprit and uh, has has allowed the other person to sort of uh, to to, to uh, rest in peace so to speak. He's um, he's not going to hassle him or harass him anymore with any of these stories. Although that to be honest that's not exactly true because uh, before the game in cardiff he actually referred to this tale and referred to this story and therefore managed to upset two people rather than just the one <laughs> so, so listen you're 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 in the hands of Doddy sometimes a uh, long may it continue but um you know anybody anybody sitting there with their 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 lawyer um could uh, could actually have a field day with some of the things that he says. <laughs>
0: um it's quite interesting the foreword from Jim Telford talking about Doddy and, and, and having a he talked about having a switch where he can flick on and off between a Joker and this this focused, committed, confident rugby player and it, yeah. it's something you sort of I've noticed in terms of he's, he's sort of taking that into his campaign and his fundraising for the M N D is that you you see this sort of you know the, the, the joke inside of him and then there's almost sort of a switch when he you know gets down to the business of really sort of telling telling the story of, of, of the charity and the cause
2: yeah uh, and you you you're, you're, you're right what you say there it, it, there's also a bit of him realizes that um, and it might disappoint a lot of people who who think of professional rugby players or professional sportsmen as being totally dedicated and thinking you know 110% of the time how they're going to improve Doddy never took rugby that seriously it was you know it was never his first sport or his first love and you know again he achieved everything in rugby because it all came really easily to him and um that's probably you know the switch that that Jim Telfer talked about uh, and and again having gone and spoken to Jim uh, and and told him what we, we needed for the book i mean the 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 forward in other books um might be, you know, a couple of hundred words. Yeah, he's a really nice guy and I've always liked him and good luck with the book and all the rest of it. But Jim Telfer really enthused about Doddy, really as a as a rugby player and as a professional rugby player. And and you know and and pointed out that Doddy in the in the generation that was the one that went from amateurism, or shammy if you like, into the professional status, the very first Lions tour that was selected, he was on it. That's how good he was. And, you know, in the book as well, I mean, Doddy said that if he hadn't met Jim Telford under the circumstances he did at Melrose, he might never have become the player that he did because Jim Telford brought the best out in Doddy. Yeah, the two of them had arguments and the two of them had... Disagreements and the two of them, you know, almost it was almost a uh, maybe. I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite say it was a hate, hate relationship at times. But one, one was a real taskmaster, namely Jim, and thought he had to be to get the best out of Doddy. Doddy, on the other hand, wasn't for for budging. He's quite stubborn, really. And uh, ultimately, I think he he saw that if he if he if he did certain things one he would improve and two Jim might not be on his cases often. <laughs> but the um, there were there were there were two it was almost like a perfect storm so to speak. That the that, that Doddy's career, rugby wise, coincided with the the one of the greatest coaches of all time being first of all at Melrose and then with Scotland and then ultimately with the Lions. And I and I think for Doddy that's something that he hasn't forgotten and I don't think Jim has actually forgotten it either because again he we had to I had to limit the the amount of space I actually gave Jim because I think Jim and again is about three chapters <laughs> just, just in doddy or Doddy-isms although I still think I still think the 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 uh, the best line from Jim was that basically Doddy went mental when he met anybody because he was just so excited to see them <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah, that I did I did like that line. Um y- <laughs> so
2: did so did Doddy's mum actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> nanny Nanny quite enjoyed it as well. And 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 again there are certain there, there are a lot of a lot of different tales and different bits stories and all the rest of it that are are um are kind of how can I put it? Um are, are specific to different people because different people see and take different things out of it. Do you know what I mean? So it's some of the guys in the Scotland team thought one or two of Doddy's lines were quite funny. Some of the guys at Newcastle thought they were quite funny. Um, and that's the thing he, he has he has met and associated with and touched so many people. I think there's there's something in there for just about everyone. Um, and if you read through the book, you you might get a mention. <laughs> uh, I I no, and he's he's just um he's just such a he just has been such a, a such a character over the years and, and continues to be. I think that's the fact that he's um he's been so personable. But but again, I think some people saw the big kind of Dave Gulut from the, the borders with the sticky ears as he says, as being a bit a bit naive and a bit simple sometimes. Um, maybe, maybe even on the rugby field. And I think once they played against him, I think after that they realised that this big guy had more about him than than maybe his uh, appearance suggested. Uh, the first time you saw him.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, looking, we've just had the game down in Cardiff, Cardiff um, at the weekend. Um. I think you were down there, weren't you? And the 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 result. I mean, the result on the pitch barely matters given the just the sheer amount of publicity generated for Doddy and, and for 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 MND I mean that that um it it sounds like it was an absolute roaring success result aside yeah
2: yeah I mean listen I, I I tweeted after the match there were a great many of the players um had been saying that um it was they were disappointed that um they didn't manage to get the result that they wanted for you know for Dodi and I I mean listen I'm I'm very fortunate that I am I'm closer to Doddy than a great many. I'm very fortunate as well um, that you know I'm I'm one of the people that he trusted sufficiently to to tell about his you know of his condition very early on, and lo and behold, most of the people um, that he did tell ended up as as trustees because he he saw it as if he told us we weren't going to change our attitude towards them. And we, and we never have done anyway. So uh, I, I think after the match, uh, again, some of the players were um, were disappointed at the result. But, you know, again, on Twitter, I said that, you know, uh, I think it was John Beattie had posted something up. And I said that, you know, players shouldn't be upset at not winning for Doddy. The day was a, a, a far bigger occasion. And, and they were all part of it, and, and it's a much bigger picture and a, and a much bigger thing than just the end result. And, and, and again, there were a lot of people, you know, looked at that and agreed with it, um, and, I, you know, in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, I bet you Doddie will be remembered long after um, Scotland losing an autumn test match in Cardiff, and, and for me, that's what really counts.
0: Yeah and then later in it's not just limited to Cardiff because it looks at later um i think in the autumn tests before the south africa game there's going to be a repeat of the Doddy gump from italy going through Edinburgh is that right
2: <laughs> yeah um i'm 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 wondering how that's i'm wondering how that's going to going to pan out um <laughs> I think uh, I think it might have been easier than Rome than it might be in, in Edinburgh because I I think the the Italian police just had a look at it and just went ah, on you on you go <laughs> <laughs> we we we're not going to stand in the way of about four thousand Maddies who all look quite big blokes um, are, and um, a great many a great many women in amongst them as well all wearing these headbands and looking like something of a a, a kind of. Uh, tartan version of Rab Seen bit walking <laughs> through the city. So they were the uh but no, yeah, there, there are a number of things planned and uh, and again it's it it plays into the bigger thing with the uh, the foundation. My name's Doddy Foundation, the headbands, the shirts and um, the tammies, everything, you know, the, the the selling of all the uh the, the paraphernalia and the likes are all going to a much, a much bigger and a much needier cause, um, and and to that end, whatever happens uh, for the South Africa match, um, once again I, I can only I only thank the likes of the SRU. The SRU um, have been absolutely superb in everything that they've done for Doddy and for um, the battle against MND. Um, I can't praise them highly enough. I know some people will say, well. You know, you, you would say that, well, I would say it because that's what, exactly what they've done. You know, in, mm. in years gone by, I have um, been quite critical of, of one or two things that they've done. But in this one, and seeing how they have worked on the inside as well, which I think would be a real eye-opener to certain people and certain individuals. Um, I, you know, I, I have I have nothing but praise for the SRU and one or two individuals within the, the organisation for everything they've done for Doddy this far and everything they will continue to do going forward because, you know, I think once once people get into, into step and into stride with what the foundation is about, then it's something that they, they, they want to stay part of. Uh, and that applies across, you know, the squad of players as well. Um, Doddy's got a, a, a really good relationship with the squad. Um, and, uh and again, this goes back to what he does at Murrayfield with the... Uh, uh, Murrayfield experience with these post and after match entertainment um, on the in the hospitality circuit within the stadium, uh, and it, anyway he gets to know a lot of the, the, the younger generation players through that as well, uh, and I think I can see why they, some of them would have been disappointed after the Cardiff result. But again, it's a, it's a much bigger battle um, on all fronts than just one result.
0: Well, Stuart, thank you very much for speaking to us today. Uh, The book's out now, isn't it? So um, a good good one for people to get for Christmas?
2: Well, yeah, I I, I do think um, there might be several people end up with two versions or two copies of the book (laughs) because there seems to have been quite a few... uh, Mothers and wives and partners and brothers and and the likes, all saying, "Well, I'll just get such and such this book." Uh, I just I hope we communicate with other family members. On well, this well, one. maybe not
0: maybe like, not. Maybe we should hope that the Denny, Maybe we should encourage people not to communicate with each other so that they will sell as many as possible.
2: Yeah, well, that's a that's a that's a that's a pretty good call actually on that one. Um, I think uh, I think actually I might just keep my mouth shut after this and just let them <laughs> buy as good as they want. But no, I, I, you know it was. Um, Doddy made an appearance um before the, the, the Wales game on the one show on uh, BBC One and the the response after that was absolutely staggering. Um and so much so that we woke up the Thursday morning and Doddy was at number fourteen on the overall sales on Amazon. Now given given the, 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 the names and titles and authors that he he'd pushed out the top twenty, that was pretty phenomenal. And it's you know, it might only be a one-hit wonder. Who knows? But it was a it was a fantastic feeling, and he's still, as we speak, uh, still in the top 100, which is uh, an incredible achievement, as it is. And that's even before people, a lot of people, start their Christmas shopping. So here's hoping it's a it's a it's a top seller, you know, leading up into the, the, the Christmas market. We've got quite a few uh, book signings to do, uh, Newcastle, London, Edinburgh, uh, Glasgow, and the likes. Uh, so watch out for him. Uh, watch out for me as well. Although I have to say, uh, I, I think uh, if you if you get Doddy's signature in the book, it's worth a bit more than on than eBay. <laughs> than if I say that, but uh, listen, I I don't really I I, I, I can I can. I can take the rejection. <laughs> it doesn't. My own, as long as my own family wanted me to sign, that was the main thing. But uh, no, he's, he's he's doing a grand job, and uh, and the response we're getting um, when we go various places, um, for instance Cardiff, um, uh, for instance uh, the the various other events that we've been to, and his his autograph books has been absolutely phenomenal.
0: Yeah, well, thank you very much, Stuart. That's been really interesting chatting to you today. Right, guys. Um, we'll 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 get around to the business of talking about the Wales game. Um, Stuart was actually saying in an interview just how immaterial the result was compared to the overall impact the game had had in terms of spreading the the, the word. And, and I think that's that's a fair way to come away. We're not being too um, too point to come away and saying this was this was you know more than just a game.
3: No, it's uh, ab- absolutely. Um, I think that. When, when this fixture was announced, that was kind of all we were taking from it. And now that after losing it, I think that's definitely all we're taking from it, really.
0: <laughs> Ian, is that, I mean, uh, it, it, would you agree with that? That this, that this was only ever just a, a, a you know, a, to sort of raise the profile of, of of for Doddy and, 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 and do it for that? Or, or was the more of this game?
1: Uh, well, you know, as this is outside the international window, it was... And also you know with the uh you know the alignment of the the great man's cause um you know it was seen as a bit of an expression match uh obviously when it was announced that they weren't directly donating there was a bit of a twitter storm and what have you, so well done, everyone who actually made a twitter storm worthwhile uh yeah, so it it should be more about you know about the great doddy we are than a significant, viewed as a significant match, I would yeah. say.
0: Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. That's, so that's all on the Wales game. <laughs> 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 uh, no, what what we're going to do this week, we're trying something a bit different. We've uh, each chosen a wee comment from the blog. We've, we've trawled through the hundreds of comments we've actually had on the, the blog article and Ian's player ratings. i am um, just picked up a couple of talking points. Um, Ian, you did the player rating, so we'll start with you. Um, what, what talking, what, what comment have you picked up on for us to chat about?
1: Uh, well, should I go with the agree or disagree? Um, I, think, I think my two ag- agrees were off of Rory's match report. Um, but one I'll go with what uh, Merlo posted, which might have been on my own. I can't remember, to be honest. Uh, so it's, it's been a lot of criticism of Johnny Gray, uh, as there sometimes seems to be. Uh, what Merlo has said in response to one is, one poor game, or brackets, or rather less than exceptional, and so he's not an international class. I think you'll find that most world-class locks miss more tackles, hit fewer ups, and or make fewer carries. The problem is that the opposition knows he's going to be the ball carrier because he we don't seem to have any other options. His line work is top drawer and his work rate around the park is exceptional. That being said, I've always thought he could be more dynamic, explosive, both in attack and defence, but I'd much rather he made 10 out of 10 tackles, made two big hits, missed three tackles and was even in position for the other five. Um... So that's one I, I certainly agreed with. Uh, Johnny Gray always seems to get these accusations of being too passive. But, you know, I think if we look at the, particularly in the carry, but if we look at the overall stats, um, and if I take my ratings into it, um, his partner in lock, Ben Toulis, uh, as he was in the game in February, you know, apart from, he's you know, he's great line of work. He's got great line of work, good in the mall. But he just, doesn't get involved. You look at the number of carries he made. Johnny um, Gray's made more than twice as many. He seems to be the only one who's there calling for the ball at close quarters. So you know, I I do feel that people get on Johnny Gray's back a bit too often.
0: I think you're right. I think I think the Johnny Gray. We've we've always said this put in the past on on the podcast. Is he, he does he does the quiet work, and it's it's not, and, and it's only really when you get to the end of the game and you see the stats, you you realise sort of contribution he makes. To, to Scotland's game and I'm not I think what what he lacks is having someone in the absence of his brother having someone outside of him to sort of compliment him you almost need a, a sort of you know a, a more of a I don't know a bit more of a noticeable ball carrying lock outside of him
1: yeah so that's some... why I s- sorry on you go John
0: no no you go uh, on you go
3: Ian yep on you go mate yep. you've got it well,
1: that's why when um you know Whenever, it always, because Richie's been injured so often, whenever it's Johnny and A and other, be it uh, Toulouse or Gilchrist, maybe it's just this red scrum hap, but then Ben Toulouse isn't exactly uh, non-noticeable, but <laughs> his hair and what have you. Um, but Gilchrist, is he's the more aggressive um, character, particularly when carrying, uh, when I did the France report, I, I gave Gilchrist man of the match because he took on a lot of the carrying work, a lot of the donkey work against a big French pack as well. So you know, I think they would complement each other better than uh, Toolis does to Gray.
0: Yeah,
3: I think there's possibly a concern with Gilchrist that um, yes, I I think he gets through a power of work and he he does carry better than Toolis, but there is a concern that he he can become a bit of a penalty machine. And he, I think the belief is that he is closer to Johnny Gray's style of play than than say Toolis or in an ideal world by big, big Bro Richie. Um, so, I think they are trying to get that partnership, that sort of um, dirty, um, hard-working lock alongside the more flamboyant, possibly a bit more of a, a game-breaker. Um, but I, I, I rate ben, uh, ben Tillis. I think he's a very, very good player, but he was buying average at, uh, at the weekend.
0: Yeah, I think that's the problem. That's the problem with with Toulous and Gilchrist to an extent is that they have these the potential to have these really great games, and then they have other games where they just disappear. And I, I, I don't you you can't have a lock who's going to disappear for parts of the game playing alongside a Johnny Gray, who's just there constant, you know, doing doing what he does consistently and doing it well. You need someone who's going to, like you said, do the dirty work alongside him of being do the abrasive stuff. And and yep. getting in people's faces, and that's what Richie does, you know. Richie's always in the middle of the handbags. And I, I'm, <laughs> what what I'm interested, I would be interested to see Johnny start again with, with Sam Skinner at the weekend, just to see how that goes, because cause yep. he's got similar stats to Johnny Green. It'd be interesting to see whether or not he, do you know how how well they pair up together?
3: That'd be interesting. I think it's it's difficult as well to get any reads from the weekend. Um, based on you know the fact that the, the locks were obviously up against Alan Jones, who basically spent the whole match lying all over the ball and and you know about forty meters offside. So you know it's, it's it's difficult to get a comparison when when you're up against that. But um, yeah, I would be interested to change it up this weekend.
0: Um, Ian, what was your next what was your next point you had from the blog then?
1: Uh, positive or negative what should we go, go, with, the, go, with, go with, or disagree?
0: with one you disagreed with because we'll, we'll, we'll see how we Dis- get on with for time
1: it. right well what I did there was um, with regards to my ratings now I have uh, said that I was maybe a bit um, I don't know I could have maybe I scored Price and Wilson a point higher um, once I've rewatched the game Price's kicking actually wasn't as bad as I thought I just thought you could have put more contestable ones particularly for someone like Tommy Seymour who we know is great in the air but uh you know, he, he had a bit of a nothing game. Um, but uh, one of the stews, uh, stew two, in fact, um, he said that our scrums were on top and you've given the props five and four. Uh, our scrums were not on top. I don't see how our scrums were on top at all. Um, on our scrums, we won two penalties. There's, there's actually very few scrums in the match. The first one wasn't until the 24th minute, uh, which Nell won a penalty. But then after that, he gave away a free kick on a scrum for an early push and he got pinged a couple of times in open play. So my four for an L I think was quite justified. Um, the other time we got a penalty on a scrum was against a seven-man scrum and then we conceded uh, conceded one on the next for wheeling. Now, whether that's because of Raynard's dodgy defender or not, you know, we should have been wiser to that. So uh, Bergen, actually, once I've rewatched it, he did a lot of close quarter carry and um, you know, when we were camped on the Welsh well inside the Welsh twenty two as we were for a long time in the second half. But uh, to say that our scrum were on top, I think that's, that's inaccurate.
0: Yeah, I think we've the official stats say it was uh six out of seven, Scotland one. And uh, Wales were ten out of eleven. And that's the official one, but like you said, they were you know they lost at least two, I think. Were they pinged for two? Yeah. They were pinged for at least two. So presumably one of those would be on the Wales put in probably.
3: Absolutely, more on two of them if I remember rightly. I do remember as going back at quite a rate of knots. Which, again, I think I think a lot of the time it's more the perception that that you know the that puts in the referee's mind that 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 forward pack is is dominant. Even even later on in the game that does have a big impact because again you know you see that seven man. Well, it wasn't a seven man scrum in that Jonathan Davis had joined it, but. You know, a weakened scrum, and they get the penalty. When mm, I mean, it was a it was a toss of a coin, but because the Welsh pack had been dominant, uh, it goes against us.
0: Yeah, the one thing I would pull you up on Ian on your scoring is Lee Jones. He he is not Scotland's Keith Earls. Oh, absolutely. Uh, In what sense? No,
1: he's just you know, Earls is very you know, he's. Uh, I mean, I don't. Like the guy much, but you have to admit <laughs> that he's very consistent in what he does. You know, he he, he claims high balls well, he runs well, he, he defends well. You know, Lee Jones does all these things. You know, he's just yeah. got a very sort of good all-round skill set. Um, yeah. But also, you you've not added in that I said, but less of a mouthy swear word, which you, I started yeah. out. Yeah, but um, I there,
3: less of a mouthy Reynal. That uh, okay? that'll do.
1: Actually, in my first draft that said uh just another kind of derogatory adjective shall we say um <laughs> you know but uh, you know maybe that's well, maybe we need more nasty men that's what a lot of fans are saying you know yeah. whether your winger should be that kind of guy is Well, I think risk.
0: he's 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 committed the one thing i would say about lee jones is he stopped that george there's not many players would have shown that commitment to to drag jordan north into touch and there's not many wingers yeah. his size that will drag jordan north into touch and i think that I think it, it he, the way he's played, and even the way Hamish Watson plays, and the way Darcy Graham play the game, uh, it sort of owes a lot to how we've used our sevens as a sort of breeding ground Absolutely. for these players. I mean, you yeah. look at the, the the way that I mean that I tweeted out today. If anyone goes and looks at, there was a video of Hamish Watson in the seventy eighth minute, just fl- literally flinging Wales players off him with one hand including Ross Moriarty where he picks him up with one hand and slams him to the ground in the 78th minute of the game in <laughs> his own 22 as well it's absolutely glorious it's worth worth watching but you look at him you look at Lee Jones and just the way that they move and the yards that they make and the, just the commitment to 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 like following through on the tackle I means that we don't I have see. to we don't have to rely on the we don't have to rely on size and bulk if the technique is there um but I agree I don't I don't think Lee Jones is necessarily the answer but I think he is he's and i don't think he should start i think there's probably others that should start ahead of him but i think he's he's definitely a, a very good option in a squad because he will come in and he'll do a job he'll break the line he'll take you know he'll beat defenders and he he his i have no issue at all with his i know other people are questioning his defense but i think he's very good in defense i
1: think he's pretty solid in defense you know like like, like i said i think it just his all round game is Sort of unspectacular, but it's very, very solid. And I think my favourite ever thing I've seen about Lee Jones is when he was playing in the sevens. Uh, I can't remember the Fiji player, but he's 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 made a total Freddie Burns of it. Yeah, uh, he's over the try line. He's just about to dot it down. Lee Jones comes in, absolutely smashes him.
0: Absolutely, right, double double the size that. of him as well. Yeah. yeah, pretty much picks him up and takes him over the advertising hordes. I think it was I think Fiji had won I think Fiji had won the game quite well by that point as well, so yeah. little <laughs> um, bit
3: the heart. Quite what, a wee son.
0: Yeah. Um John, what have you have you what have you picked up from the blog then?
3: Yeah, I've I've actually got a kinda conversation going on that I both agree and disagree with. Um so on the the match report um frozen north um says uh, the following It says decent we didn't collapse in the card of cauldron we contested and for me that's the biggest takeaway in success for the team winning here today was never fundamentally required but proving that they could operate well under the most hostile conditions was the important step forward so yes Always like the team to play at their best and see the boys win, but not horribly outraged as per last visit where we all but collapsed. And I think for for me, I, I totally, totally agree with that point. And I'll, I'll touch on it later when we when we stick our hands into the ruck. But um, we've got to remember that team we we put out there in the key ten position. We had a guy make it realistically making his his first proper international start. Let's let's not um kid on it's anything other than that. The Millennium Stadium's a massive, massive atmosphere and we have been shown up time and time again down there. And the the guys could have won that game. Yes, there was there was moments from possibly more experienced heads that didn't um they they, they didn't step up and maybe didn't show a wee bit of leadership, but overall, I, I I have to agree. I think there's a real optimism there um, in terms of that performance.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with that. I don't think from that was I don't think that's a bad game from a Scotland perspective. If you put the nope. you know put the fact we lost to one side, I mean we made Wales made 179 tackles to our 100. We had the bulk of possession and territory, and I, I think the problem that we have now is it's we're almost suffering from a, when I say we, I mean Scotland fans, sort of suffering from a collective PTSD about this, this sort of idea of every time that Scotland lose, oh, it's back to old Scotland and that's not, we're a good team now, we're not there. And it's that thing that it's that sort of like the horrors of the past sort of come come flooding back into the memory. It was actually Edinburgh Rugby on Twitter was asking me to do a Scottish rugby version of um, the Monty Python for Yorkshireman sketch for Scottish rugby, <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of feel like that—that's kind of how it is every single time. You know, we lose. It's you know, we you know we crossed the try line four times on at the weekend. You had yep. one, one, scored a try, had one held up, um, the double movement, um, and then um, the chip. You know, and and Pete uh you know, Pete uh not not grounding the ball or whatever you want to call it, but you know that's crossing the try lines four four times. I mean, you know, so with the, the four Yorkshireman version, I, you know, crossed the try line four times away to Wales. We were lucky if we crossed the halfway line against Western Samoa, and all we had to our name were a Phil Godman and the ghost of Simon Taylor's knees. <laughs> So that's that's for Edinburgh I Rugby. We that's...
1: had not but Dan Parks.
0: <laughs> Dan Parks, we were lucky we had Dan Parks. All we had were Brendan Lacey <laughs> and his boots. Brendan
1: Lary, lads. Brendan Lacey.
0: <laughs> anyway, yes, so that's uh yeah, that's that that's shout out to Edinburgh Rugby for that suggestion. I couldn't quite have the heart to carry it all the way through. Um yeah, I think I mean I think I think there's a lot of positives to take from that. I don't think it's you know, I, I think if we were England or Ireland sitting here after that game, we would be saying there were points left out there. That's not a bad loss. We could have won that game. And that's, that, yeah. I think that's how we should realistically be viewing it.
3: Yep. And on the same conversation piece, um, uh, Alanist... Um, Is that the, says, the most
0: Alanist as in the, the most Alan you can be?
3: Uh, no, it's Alanist as in the, the Alan version of analyst.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
3: So it's a very, it's a quirky name. I mean, he's he's clearly one of the the, the analyst gang. So um, you know, welcome, welcome to the team, Alan. Um, you know, the the analyst life chose me as well. But um, yeah, he says in the claim for the depths uh, from the depths, not for the depths. That would be something. Um, I think current second gen will not go much further. The third gen are the key for the Rugby World Cup twenty twenty three. Need developing in strong, successful, competitive environments like Edinburgh and Glasgow, and I, I, I kind of actually agree with this as well. In that I think, I think the the squad we have just now, there's a lot of talented young players on the sort of periphery and just starting to come through, and we've got some seriously strong, um, more experienced campaigners. But I. Don't think we've got too much more development in a lot of those players. I'm thinking guys like, ugh, I hate myself for saying, it, but guys like Alex Dunbar, uh, we're not going to see him radically change as a rugby player. Any, you know, I think he's reached his peak in terms of development. And I think what the guys need to be doing now to continue to be successful is is, is the winning mentality, It's developing that that extra, you know, that extra inch at the top as opposed to developing as actual rugby players for me. But I think the talent coming through in this, as as Alanist says, the third generation. Um, some of the talent coming through is is very exciting and it was great to see obviously uh, Darcy Graham getting on uh, getting on for his debut. Um didn't quite have the impact of Mr Stuarty Hogg when he made his uh, <laughs> debut down in Cardiff but hey, you know, not many people do, so no, it's great, and I expect you know big things from what is a positively tiny little man.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I sort of, I I would agree with that. I think that's I think that's where the way we're Scotland are heading. I think the it's too early for it's come too early for the likes of Matt Ferguson. Although I think he'll be there in 2019. I think it's he he needs to go to get the experience of a World Cup, and yeah. there you know and you you know you got the George Horn and um your Darcy Graham's needs to go as well. But yeah, this is the this is the last roll of the dice from the sort of players like Dunbar that have sort of come in, I suppose, like you said, as, as the the second gen as Alanus puts it. Yeah, yeah. The the players that sort of came in and have sort of taken Scotland to that next level. There's actually the the, the level above that we're sort of starting to reach now and it's almost it's just a little bit too early for twenty nineteen, but going forward that's there's a frightening amount of talent there, isn't there?
3: Yeah. There really, really is, and I mean, even watching the pro clubs uh, at the at the weekend, obviously, people have commented that they they don't like the fact that we continue the Pro 14 whilst the internationals are on, and obviously with this one being out the window, there was a, a massive pressure on on both Glasgow and Edinburgh squads. But you look at the teams they put out, and for me, I I I, I, I openly admit when the Glasgow team came out, I was. Very, very surprised at how strong it was, and you look at the talent that's there. You've got, you know, you've got guys like Scott Cummings, who in any any other setup, he's considered, you know, a a world class talent coming through, and we probably don't see him quite in that light because we've got Johnny Gray, because you know you're looking across the road and you've got the the second rose at Edinburgh as well. The Calm is it Calm Hunter Hill he looks an absolute weapon as well. So it, we're, we're starting to get depth in those areas with these young guys coming through. And I, I think we we should be so excited. I, I agree, Cammy, I don't think 2019 is is where Scotland are going to necessarily peak. I think we're still working our way through the hangover of the however many years of heart that it was. Um, and... <laughs> and, and um, you know, twenty twenty three will be will definitely be our uh, our our time. Let's say we're going to win it in twenty twenty three. There you go. You had it
0: here. First. Yeah, I well, I remember I came away from the, the Samoa game. Um, I think we'll we'll we'll, we'll maybe do this with Ian with, with you about talking about the Samoa game later on. And where's Dougie Dunley, Ian, later on? Uh, but the um I came away from the Samoa game in twenty fifteen. And speaking to this young lad on the trainers, I was coming back down to Leeds, who and it was his first state Scotland international game. And I remember saying to him that it's not always like this. You know, don't don't get excited. <laughs> We're not always this good, and you know, you know, we, you know, we sort of scraped a win against them more to a certain extent. But there was a lot of momentum behind Scotland at that point, and a lot of excitement around Scotland. And actually, that's continued. And I, I, it's 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 nice to think there's a group of young fans who don't know. The Andy Robinson years, who weren't there for that, do you know? There's part of you almost a bit like you know in space when he gets gets Jar Jar Binks and talks about the Phantom Menace and sort of shouts shouts at small children and goes, "You don't understand. You don't know what it was like. You weren't there in the beginning." But it, but it's there is a group of young fans growing up who only know Scotland as a team that can turn up and beat anybody on their day. You know, including the All Blacks, you know, pushed them very close last autumn. And that must be... I don't even know how that must feel, because, like you said, we're all suffering from collective post-traumatic stress disorder. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> actually, um, I mean, Ke- Kevin Miller put up a great fact in, the, um, in his Fiji preview. Scotland have scored a try in 23 of their last games. Now, 23 games in a row, which is now a, a record we've scored tries, whereas... You know, back in the, the days when we were relying on Chris Patterson to just boot us to victory, you was know, it we went two two and a half years without scoring a try at Murrayfield?
0: Yeah, there was a start I mean, to, There was a stat today. Someone put out, and in twenty eighteen, Scotland have scored three point one tries per match, and I think it's the highest out of the top ten. We've played yeah. lower, <laughs> less lower down opposition, to be fair. I think on, on average, but but still, that's you know. You know, he's a real I could only That'll... dream of three point one tries a game.
3: <laughs> that's surely one of our lowest averages over the last few years as well. Probably, um, yeah. Because I think I think we I remember I think we've been up around three point eight for for uh, sort of the tail end of the Vern Cotter, you know, and and certainly the start of Gregor. So we certainly know our way to the try line now. Um, so that's uh, yeah. I I I would I would say as well though. I think. And we'll get on to this, I'm sure, once we start getting our hands in the ruck again. But um, we're scoring more tries, but defensively, you know, we're, we're maybe not, <laughs> we're not quite uh, as strong as we maybe used to be. Yeah. Uh, and we are sort of going down the We'll score more points than them, and it'll be fine. tactic.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I'll pick up on my the point that I had, and it was I'm, I was frantically, I was hoping one of you'd bring up Hugh Jones, but you didn't. So I've had to go and go on the blog and find a comment about him. So Fraser um, has pointed out, said Hugh Jones was not to blame for the try. He was left covering two men by the inside defenders. And he's right. I watched it back and both, I don't think he's at fault for either try. When yeah. you watch it, the the first, the George North one, Toulouse and Dunbar are far too tight. And there's a huge gap for Jones to cover. So Anscombe and Davis draw Toulouse and Dunbar in. And there's just this huge, this space just opens up. And it's obviously a pre-planned move. And once North hits the angle, there's no way Jones is going to stop him. And it's the same with the Davis try. It's almost an identical move. Dunbar's really far too too tight to the forward defensive line. And Jones is just absolutely isolated. And again, all Davis has to do is just hit the gap and put in the fend. And because it happens so quickly, Jones can't change his body Height to hit the tackle low, so he's always got to be handed, you know, a off And I think it's more, it's more down to the defensive. It's more an issue with a weakness in the defensive systems that Wales had identified, rather than Hugh Jones missing tackles.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot to agree with in that. Um, you know, especially George North. Now that he's back in Wales and he's, you know, he said he's happy again. You know, he's playing great rugby and let's be frank, George North on his game is in the top three wingers in the world I would say. I mean he's just an absolute unit. Um so Jones maybe got, got isolated, but um as I said my ratings it's a thing b I think it's a thing between Dunbar and Jones because when we got mobbed at Twickenham, uh, there's a couple of tries Joseph ran on the outside of Dunbar. We know Dunbar's not the fastest. We know he's an absolute tank at the breakdown and if he's straight on to a man you can smash him because he's a big boy. But, you know, it's a, it's about spacing. Um, same with when uh, when Scotland played Desolate Six Nations. Uh, I think Tomaso Allen first first try. I mean, w, P and L, he'd not played much. That was his first start for a while. Um, when we were on the five-meter line, uh, you know, Jones has left a bit too much of a gap outside the Nell. So uh, I think it's, it's a communications issue. Um and also, as Rory's pointed out, uh, you know we had the new forwards coach in, Danny Wilson. Um, also, Sean Waynes just turned up as well. So, you know, hopefully these guys can sort this kind of thing out. You know, Wales have got arguably the best defence coach in the world in Sean Edwards, mm. and the guy the guy just knows how to do his job. Um, and that's why we were unable to break them down. Um, so I, I don't want to blame Hugh Jones too much, uh, but. I think it's a it's an issue with him and Dunbar that they need to sort out.
0: Yeah, and, and th- I think John was talking about that earlier. I don't. I'm not sure if it came down to it, if all the if all our centres are fit. I, I, I would actually put Dunbar quite far down the packing order in terms of starting because I don't think he's the I don't think he's the twelve that we need. Yeah, so see,
1: I'm, 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 I'm a massive, better. I'm a massive fan of Alex Dunbar, um, but. I'm starting to see the sort of deficiencies. Um, maybe, maybe it's system.
0: it's not even. Well, I don't. I don't even think it's deficiencies in his game. I think he's he he's a very good. He's an exceptional player. I just don't. He's we we don't. The systems where the way we're trying to play. You don't need a crash ball twelve. You need someone who can kick. You need a second ten. I think we've said that before. That's that's what we're trying to do. That's why Pete Horn is in is in there. And Dunbar, we've seen Dunbar's kicking, and it's not, it's not, it's not <laughs> part of his skill set.
1: But, but they, you know, Dun, Dunbar's work at the breakdown. I mean, if the, uh, for example, when we were in Australia last year, it was Alex Dunbar. He, he was playing out. He was playing at thirteen. Actually, he was playing outside Duncan Taylor. Mm. But it was it was him when Australia are knocking on the door. There's Alex Dunbar over the top of the ball, grab Scotland win the game. Um, so, you know. It's you know we, we we do seem to have this proliferation of centre
3: options, but just what are the best two options?
0: Yeah, um, yeah I think
3: uh, we t- touched on Duncan Taylor there as well, and I think that's that's a really interesting point because I think we you know we talk about this sort of second ten, but actually I think most Scotland fans would see Duncan Taylor as being the best option at twelve, and he's more of a he's kind of more of a hybrid. Um, he's he's still very decent over the ball, but. He has he, he, he is a sort of all round player, um which um he, he does offer a lot and you know it's it's pretty pretty rubbish that we haven't seen him in the dark blue in a long time.
0: Yeah. I think I mean overall, I mean it sounds like we're being quite durable, do- all, but it, I I mean there's a lot of positives to take from that Wales match. Yes. Yes, yes
1: there certainly is. Absolutely. Well, I thought the line out in the mall worked pretty well. Um
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think we've got that, you know, and again, you look back at it and you look at the, you know, every time I see you see Scotland trying them all, those of us who've been here throughout the Matt Williams and the Frank Haddon and the Andy Robinson days, you know, your heart sinks and you go, oh God, <laughs> where's <laughs> this? This is going to go in one way and that is not forward, um, but you know, you know, I, you know we, we're taking opposition walls apart were effective you know it's a real it's a proper weapon now and the way that McAnally broke off for his try was just something else that
3: um, was a lovely wee hurdle at the end as well wasn't it it was sort of
0: <laughs> absolutely a
3: rampaging uh, uh, Bill, Bill McClan would have had a, had a few words to say about that one <laughs>
0: um, we'll, we'll move on quickly to Fiji then Um we we're again we've I think we've asked you to just guys to pick up a couple of comments from the blog uh, those that are there so far um I went with referendum who says, um, Fiji are going to expose us, and we need to be mature enough not to panic nor get sucked into the loose game. I think Pete horn starting could swing this our way, and I think there's a lot to it, you know picking up what we've said, I think there's a lot of people saying that we need to shut up, shop, and just defend and just take a very direct route against Fiji and not get sucked into their game, and I kind of don't I don't agree with that. I think we need to go and play our own game, and that might mean you know you know just you know one up hits and short passes just until the game starts breaking up. but I don't think we need to sort of go back to just a kicking game and trying to grind out a win against Fiji as some are suggesting I think we go out and we play our game, and I think Pete Horn at twelve is probably. Short of playing Russell at twelve and Hastings at ten, I think Pete Horn at twelve is probably the way forward for Fiji.
3: Yep, I would agree with that. I, I, I um, totally um, think, and I said it a couple of weeks ago when we when we done the uh, Hastings Russell madness. <laughs> um, you know, cats a rave. Two cats a rave. We we need to be sensible to start this match off and. We need to be controlled, disciplined, make sure that we get the scoreboard taken over. Um that I think that was you know, again it's gonna sound like a disappointment from, from the Wales game. The second half we we chased the game. We chased tries and when we had plenty of opportunities to put some points on the board and I think Gregor and the team this week will be emphasising that. Yes, it's great to score tries and in front of a sellout Murray Field, you know, they want to get the crowd absolutely roaring them on but a great way to do that is just to start to build that comfort and you know put a few points on the board at first and then start to express themselves so no I I think I think Pete Horn is an option uh, for that and uh, uh, you know hopefully he'll put a performance if he does start or does get on he'll put a performance on that will maybe close off some of the some of the haters that have kind of take, <laughs> taken taking him as the the latest bully boy, really.
0: He's he's obviously had. I mean, he he was released back to Glasgow um, for the monster game, wasn't he? And he's he he was obviously sent with a message of you know because you know Dunbar's ahead of you. You need to go in and yep. there's something here to work on because he looked like a man possessed when he came on against Wales. Yeah, he
3: looked very very up for it and you know people that are criticizing him for not holding on to what was a a, a, f- a phenomenal chip kick from from wee bro um i thought i thought he i thought he looked very good against against wheels when he came on and uh the, there'll always be stuff that he does he's not he's never going to be a world-class player but he's a very honest player and you'll get You'll get sublime and you'll get ridiculous in in probably equal measure from him. So, um, but no, I, I I think he'll I think he'll start.
0: And John, what what have you picked up while we're with you? What have you picked up for your comment pre Fiji?
3: I've actually not found too much. Um, but the the thing that really kind of, kind of I've I've noticed on the the preview, um, was Jock in Paddylands. Now there's there's an interesting name for a start, but, um. <laughs> Yep. Okay. Um, but he says yes. Hastings' kicking was ineffective. Whether it was little kicks ahead that didn't work, the mistouch, or simply kicking possession away, um, I I would completely and utterly disagree with that. I think I think Hastings. Yes, he mistouch. Um, I don't know why Scottish fans have this. We we seem to have a monopoly just now on fly halves missing touch, and this being the absolute cardinal sin, end of the world. We should drop them all and bring back Duncan Weir. Um, <laughs> it's it, it's completely well. I say bring back. He's back. We Puddins back. I know. Second, um, uh,
0: if 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 Greek is rugby Jesus, then Duncan Weir is the second coming.
3: Uh, absolutely. Can you imagine pairing those two up? It would just.
0: <laughs> It'd be like you know you know um, in cricket when you stick your guy on who bowls so slowly, it just baffles everyone
2: do Yes. So
3: cruising through the back line at a snail's pace. Off he goes. Uh, I mean, but anyway, oh, I, South Africa. Oh, yeah, well, that, I, that was more he was running for his life. He was, <laughs> he was you know, have you ever it's seen a f- coming to get me? I know. Have you seen a look of panic on a man's face quite like that? also I mean, it's
0: also worth mentioning that he was playing full back that game.
3: <laughs> oh poor poor donkey poor donkey gets enough time but anyway I the, the point I'm going to make I think I think second half in particular Hastings kicking was very effective yep. in that he was stabbing the ball behind that Welsh line which was perpetually offside it's the only way to counter that sort of um, that sort of defence and um, I would like because I fully expect the Fijian boys will be right up in our 10-12 channel having Having uh, something to say to us um, quite often, so I wouldn't be adverse to whoever plays ten, which will be fine most likely, prodding a few a few kicks through and just you know keeping keeping them honest.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I think that's the interesting thing. There was a, I got a bit wound up. There was one rugby account on Twitter. I'm not going to name them, but people who maybe follow Twitter would work out who this is. Who just who tweeted Why are we keeping kicking grubbers? And I think you've got. I rest, it was something when we spoke to Damien Hughes earlier in the season. He was we were sort of asking, well, what, as fans, what can you do to get involved in the team? And his point was, you need to try and understand what your team are doing first. And I think that's the first, when, when you know Adam Hastings is not, you know, playing at you know Scremiston on a Sunday afternoon. You know, he, he this is an international class ten. He's not just sticking grubbers through because he doesn't know what he's doing. There's clearly something he's trying to achieve. There's clearly some plan yes. move or plan idea there. And when they when when they played it back at half time, it was just set up wrong. He, he was expecting there to be a winger there, and it wasn't. It, I think it was Ryan Wilson was on the wing and Lee Jones was inside of him. They were just set up back to front. And if it had been the other way and Lee Jones had been there, that's going to come off. And again in the second half, he tried a grubber again, and Lee Jones was on the end of it. And all of a sudden, that you know that. That ball bounces another way and Lee Jones was in. Yep. And I no, think it's
3: very fine margins, isn't it?
0: That's it. And there was an interview with, again, Ronan O'Gara was talking to one of these Irish podcasts, I think, um, a while ago. And he was saying, isn't, isn't as in a, he's an attack coach, isn't he? Now, is. yeah. yeah. Is he or
3: defence coach? Is
0: he? Maybe he might be a defence coach.
3: He be, can he be a defence coach, though? No. O'Gara's defence was honking.
0: But he was, <laughs> he was saying, anyway, as a coach, he says, you have these set moves and nine times out of ten they don't come off. And part of coaching is teaching people what to do when things don't come off. He says, But the the sort of the tenth time it comes off. He says, so every time the fans have got their head in your hands, you've got to try and understand what is it that player was trying to do, what had they seen that you haven't seen, and yeah, it's not come off, but nobody kicks away possession because they don't know what they're doing or or, or nobody nobody's doing that aimlessly. And I think now that Scotland are better, maybe in the past we were kicking away aimlessly, do you know <laughs> <laughs> give <laughs> give uh, some previous Scotland incumbents more credit than than, than than is due, but if you we're at a standard now where we need to try and understand what the players are trying to do and what they're trying to achieve, rather than just throwing our hands in the air and going "Why are you doing grubbers?" We can ask that question, but we need to try and answer it for ourselves. I think is 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 the way forward, rather than rather than being quick to criticise as some are. Yes. Not naming any names. At the,
1: start of the second half, at the start of the second half. He things put a couple of really nice kicks, sort of. Because he'd would he'd been blitzed so often and he was basically getting no space to work, he put in a couple of really nice little chips over the top or, or little grubbers into the corner just in order to get territory. Yeah. And people go, why is he kicking possession? It's like, no, he's not. Because, he's... well, in the first half, I think, uh, was it, I think it was Wales had about 58 fifty eight to 60% territory. Second half, Scotland were eighty percent territory and some of that was due to just Hastings going right, I've got no other options. They're all blitzing up, I'll put it in behind them, give ourselves a chance at the, the line out. Um so yeah, I, I think Hastings might start against Fiji. Yeah. Um I think Townsend might have said sort of similar. Um you know we do, yeah. as uh, me and me and John especially are fans of the Fin Russell Appreciation Society. <laughs> <laughs> um we'd love okay, to see Finners, mate. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I want to start a club called the uh, the Frackers, Finn Russell Appreciation Club. So you yeah. can be a fracker? Yeah. <laughs> we have badges yeah, made up. We first. Yeah. Here we go. We'll get that started, Ian. Aye. Uh, I want to get t-shirts made and all sorts. of uh, Get yourself. Yeah, a, sure. Get yourself
0: a PO box for people to write into. You can send them out badges. Um, Excellent. <laughs> I, picture, I, think, I, think, a I think that's a fair. I think it's a fair shout to 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 start Hastings against Fiji because. And then bring have Russell on the bench to come on, maybe you know, maybe you know after fifty minutes or whatever. But it, uh, there's a limited amount of time that you're going to want to play Hastings between now and the World Cup. But you need to play him and give him game time so that he's ready to to because you know you're only one injury away from needing to him needing to start. And you don't necessarily want to start him in um, in the Six Nations if if Russell's fit because you want to you know it's a competition you want to try and win it but i think you know what what opportunities have we got maybe you might try them for one of the maybe the georgia game a couple of the georgia games in the summer possibly but maybe but even then you want to get your combinations right so so fiji's probably one of the last chances that townsend's got barring injury to start to give hastings a run out before the world cup so yeah
3: that said, we are talking about Gregor Townsend, so there's every possibility <laughs> uh, that he, that you 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 to start at,
0: King Horn at ten, Hog
3: at fifteen. Uh, yeah, you've heard it here first. Um, <laughs> What's the madness yeah. we saw in the forum? Was it uh, get Hog playing outside centre? Hog Hogg to outside centre because he's played there like twice and he scored a hat trick once from that position yeah. against one star oh. when he was like nineteen. Yeah, when he was yeah. a complete, like he still had his bebo haircut <laughs> <laughs> and acne. <laughs> and we're sort of like, "Who's this? Who's this?" It's like, like, "Oh my god, he's passed." Yeah, oh, he's oh, he's passed. oh, oh, yeah. he's happy. Quick, oh, he's gone. Aye. You mean he still? He, yeah, he had what... enough
0: hair for a haircut, John. Uh,
3: well, <laughs> I mean, he's getting there again now. He's had the, he's had the, uh, the, 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 waza treatment, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, he's had his turf relaid. Aye, yeah, it's, relayed. <laughs> yeah, it's it. He's just got to be careful because I, I know from experience that the. Um, the Scottish Rugby Jackets do have quite a lot of Velcro on them, and it uh, will have to <laughs> yes. be very careful taking stuff off. <laughs> um,
0: Ian, if we, don't, we haven't done yours yet, what, what's your? Have you got a, a, a comment from on the Fiji game? Uh, yeah, it's um, it
1: was by busy little bee um, this morning. At, oh, oh no, five, six minutes past five this morning. So I don't know if he's a different time zone or if he's just a very busy little bee. And somebody shut that dug up. Um, <laughs> he said, uh, this Fiji match looks like a real banana skin, and for that reason, I'd airlift Damien Holland in for this one, put him up against Tuasova again after the Fijians stomped over him last year. Face the demons head on. Seymour hasn't done anything recently anyway. Either's Damien Holland Like, play a game. Um, no, that's just... <laughs> that's just madness. It's like... Oh. No, like, like so... If Hoyland does play, um, which won't happen, uh, and he gets stopped all over again, well, Damon Hoyland will probably spend the rest of his days in a padded cell, smearing feces all over the wall. This um, <laughs> it, 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 it makes no sense. I mean, the guy's not even been in the squad. He's been nowhere near the squad. Um,
0: he's injured, has no, he not? I mean,
1: I think he's injured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also, um, you know. Like people are giving Seymour a lot of stick. Uh, right, last season he wasn't great. Um, I've said, you know, post lines fatigue wasn't great. This year he's had a couple of really good games. Uh, Cardiff the other week when he was playing at full back, very good game. Against the Cheetahs, uh, he got taken out in the air, and after that he just went on a rampage. He, he scored a one of his like sort of trademark tries off a set piece, going into the middle of the field, picking it up and just weaving past people. You know, that's that's the Tommy Seymour we expect to see. And that's why uh, I only gave him a 5 out of 10 on Saturday. Because you expect better from him. Um, you know, even you know he wasn't getting... Obviously, we didn't have an opportunity to whip the ball out wide. But a lot of time, you'd see him... When he's on top form, he'll move inside and look for work. Uh, and he wasn't doing that. But, you know, if you've got a confident Tommy Seymour, he's absolutely outstanding. Um So, yeah, you know, there's no way in hell I would pick Hoyland over Seymour.
3: (laughs) You do have to wonder as well, though, with, so on the Tommy Seymour point, we'll we'll address Busy B in a second, right? But with the Tommy Seymour point, I do wonder if that was a a deliberate ask from Gregor um, to not necessarily go inside looking for work. Because if we think of the way that the Wales play, right, they've got, obviously, George North, massive big winger, They've got they've got a lot of aerial prowess in their backs, and they they like to isolate areas of the park where they can then go and challenge. And if you've got your one of your best aerial um, combatants in Tommy Seymour coming inside, and then getting caught up in the middle of the park. And then Wales turn the ball over and throw up. Well, let's be fair. Wales didn't necessarily want to play with the ball. They wanted to thump it up in the air and and play off that, and it was very effective. Um, I I do wonder if it was a if it was a tactical decision to keep him out wide. I think it was
1: he was up against Luke Morgan, and Luke Morgan's only uh, he's like five foot eight, five foot seven. So you know, if it's <laughs> I mean. Tommy Seymour can win an aerial battle against anyone, pretty much. Um, yeah. We've, see, we've seen him and Finn link up so many times, you know, doing you know, stuff that's completely, looks like no chance of Seymour winning it, and he goes in. And Glasgow scored a, a number of great tries off it, even down at the Principality a couple of years ago, um, Russell and Seymour combined. Um, but, you know, Wales kept the game very narrow. We didn't get a chance to go wide. Uh, but you know, just would have thought with it being that compact, if you get Seymour on his dancing feet, you know, if he can maybe get uh, a mismatch against a forward, just get a wee half break. Yeah. Um, somebody supporting, especially someone like Hugh Jones, you know, if he's supporting, that would have been handy. But um, yeah, just, I just don't think he was at the races on Saturday.
0: Yeah, um, Fair enough. We'll move on because we've we're, we've. I thought we'd do a short one. Um, I asked you to cut down your options, and we did, but we're still, uh, we're still running massively <laughs> over time. But there we go. And um, we'll move on to where's Dougie Donnelly. We had a cracking one, on the live one, on the blog this week from Not Rocket scientists who said, As I write this message, I'm sat beside Jeremy Guskett and Pret-a-Manger. It's a strangely mooted feeling, not being a Scottish player or connected to the setup." Nothing nice to say to him, so I'm saying nothing and not really care about his view on the weekend games. I can confirm he's eating a salad and has not yet fallen over with the trial line begging. Uh, Team Cam then chipped in and asked if he had cucumber in the salad and Not Rocket, Rocket Science said, I cannot confirm or deny cucumber. Um, Ian, you had we missed this out last time. You you had a good Adam Ash. Um, where's Dougie Donnelly, did you not?
1: Yeah, well, it was um, I, it was the day after I had the... I think it was the night was on, I was on with Alan Dimmick. And then it came up on my girlfriend's timeline that uh, we'd been coming back up from the smaller game than at Rugby World Cup. And um, as me, uh, Rona, and uh, me and John's mutual friend, Andy, Nichol, um, Andy yep. we're, Yeah, we we're, were on the train back from Edinburgh to Glasgow. Adam Ash walked on. And so, you know, me having a couple of jars on me, I thought, right, we'll go have a chat to him. Um, so just went up to say hello. Then uh, I, I kept on saying, you know, if we're boring you, we can leave. But he's quite happy to keep chatting away. Um, and then after about half an hour, uh, my girlfriend Rona came to try and find us. And uh, seeing as she hadn't eaten since breakfast, uh, you know, I'm all right with a, a liquid diet. She isn't so <laughs> much. Um, Adam Ash had a Burger King bag. And she was like, actually, do you have any chips? I'm starving. So Adam Ash <laughs> kindly donated some chips to to my girlfriend Rona because he had a uh, you know, when I listened to one of the Warriors podcasts, they were talking about going to McDonald's. That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Adam Ash had bought two chicken Royale meals, uh, and he still had the chips left over from one, so they were donated to my girlfriend Rona. And I might I just say, Adam Ash is a lovely chap.
0: He is, and back in the back in the set as well after a really good start to the season, so I am really hoping it'd be good. To, hopefully, I'd rather I'd, actually, I, I what I want to see him ahead of Josh Strauss if, we, if we're playing an eight.
1: Yes. yeah. Yes. I mean, Adam Ash, the problem with Ash is that, you know, whenever he's been in really good form, he's never managed to get a string home in maybe five or six games before getting injured again. Um, but, yeah, no, if he can keep himself fit, keep himself yeah. off the treatment table. I mean, he's, uh, him and Fagerson against Munster, but when Glasgow were playing Munster the other week, I looked at that team line-up and I thought, we're going to get absolutely milled. But uh, him and him and Matt Fagerson were, as I've said in the match report, they were more than aggressive enough against Peter Romani and CG Sander, yeah. who are outstanding players. I
0: mean, watched, so, you watch—you know—it's worth watching. But have you watched the highlights of that Argentina match? The first one that Vern Cotter was in charge—he started at eight and he makes some absolutely busting runs.
3: He was—he was brilliant that day. I was in—I was in the the crowd that day, and I remember my absolute like shock, because it was... Scotland scored five tries that day. Yep. We beat Argentina 44. I think it was It was much closer than it... Than, cause we Argentina 20, 20, I think we tries.
0: 20 points up with, like, 10 minutes to go and we managed to ship yeah. 15 or something, yeah.
1: Rob yeah. Parley got a ridiculous yellow card. Um, yeah, that's
3: right,
1: yeah, yeah. It was, yeah they it, said, said he
3: took Barnes a man out in the air, air and he, he was the one that got elbowed in the face in the air. Nice. And but no, actually, Adam Ash was amazing that day. He just... Every, it was... It's what we've come to expect in terms of the restarts. He was taking everything and he was making yards off of every single ball. It was it was great to see. And if we can get him back to anywhere near that sort of style of play, then we're we're we've got another option. Yeah.
1: Interestingly enough, he's a big rugby league fan. He was telling us on that train journey. Um. But just there was nobody, there was nowhere uh, in Stirling where he grew up uh, that played rugby league. So he kind of fell into union.
0: Yeah. Ooh. So that's
1: probably why he's so handy at, uh, you know, just carrying. Yeah. Just running straight. Straight. <laughs> and bashing people <laughs> out of the way.
0: Um, does, he, does he have the same... He doesn't need to stick a shoulder to people's face, though, like uh, Owen Farrell, who apparently was brought up rugby league. Yeah. So, yeah. He obviously uh, had that trained out of him. Um we'll move we'll move on to very quickly, we'll move on to hands in the rock. I haven't got time to play the jingle this week. Um I'll do my hands in the rock, which is the Kiss Cam. The Kiss Cam is back, not Kiss Me. Uh the Kiss Cam is back at Murrayfield this weekend. That's my hands in the ruck. Um I found I realised that last time um this had happened, I'd, I'd written a review of the entertainment at Murrayfield after a Calcutta game a cup game a couple of years back when they'd had the kiss cam and I'd actually written, it had all the pizazz of a cabaret in a one-star Alicante hotel. Um, (laughs) And I think that's, that's, it's tacky. It's it's not really got anywhere, any place in the 21st century. I think it's embarrassing. I think in a, in a, without being that guy in the sort of me too culture, sticking a camera on two people and forcing them to kiss in front of thousands of people. I'm not sure that's, that's the way we want to be going. That there are there are other things and other other ways of entertaining people at a match without forcing people to kiss on a giant screen.
3: You do got to wonder as well if there's couples that are there that are then being forced to kiss. Is the gentleman then um, not going to get beers? I think that's a very <laughs> important question because you know time wasting. I, yeah, it's basically time wasting. I think there's you know that's that's punishable. Are you um, suggesting are you
0: suggesting that women aren't, can't go and get beers, John?
3: I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting that it's polite for the gentlemen in this instance to take the time and make the effort to go and purchase the beers on behalf of you know, but both parties. Little, little Chivalry, like, Chivalry's not dead, man. <laughs> the
1: little ladylike hands can only carry three beers at the time. And, and, and and yeah, and you've
3: got their stupid plastic cups which are all like squidgy. So like if you've uh, got smaller but, hands, it's it's problematic. I've got tidy hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm like Donald Trump. I've got
1: tiny little hands. I can still like do four pints at a time, but
0: um, we've uh, on on that note, um, we've not got we've well, not got much time to read up many other people's um hands in the rock. Um, Alan McDonald did get in touch, though, to say. Well, he said his hands in the rock was that Darcy Graham's mum looks younger than him. But actually, actually, what Alan's hands in the ruck was is that he's uh, upset that he started to find rugby players' mum mums attractive. <laughs> Rugby Mills but he means that well we're not no no we're not going there he means that in a sort of you know in a modern sort of she's a very attractive lady I'm sure there's more to her than that sort of way <laughs> we're not that kind of podcast Ian
1: well uh, I think Alan's just turned out in that kind of podcast
0: uh, yeah we'll blame Alan um, yeah. right but, um, <laughs> Ian quickly your hands in the ruck
1: yes mine well you know uh, referee and discrepancies um briefly uh, Quick, a quick couple of things about uh, the All Black rugby this weekend. A, delighted to see Dane Coles back in action. What a wonderful player he is. Um, but uh, my problem is um, the USA versus Maori's game uh, where the All Blacks had three players yellow-carded, one of which was Parry Parry-Perkinson, who is not a uh, Nando's chicken glaze.
0: So good to um, name them twice. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, but have you seen what he did to the uh, USA scrum half Sean Davis? It is absolutely abhorrent. Um, he got yellow carded, but I mean, what he's done—he's picked Davis up uh, from the back of a rock. Uh, he put above the horizontal, so you know you're meant to place him down gently. He's basically power bombed him like like Quinton <laughs> Rampage Jackson. In a really bad mood. It's absolutely appalling the amount of force that he's pushing down with. Um, it was a straight red card without a shadow of a doubt, but the referees bottled it and just gave him a yellow. It's have you seen it? Have either of you guys seen yeah. this?
0: I actually thought I've, I, I what well, not excusing it, but I think I, I, I chipped in with a conversation that Alice Corba was having with the American rugby pod last night, and I was sort without excusing it said that I can sort of see why. Um, it wasn't a red because he does he he does sort of he wrapped his arms and there is an argument to say he wasn't beyond the horizontal but actually when you watch it back he he slams him into the ground.
1: Yeah, um, and then just puts all of his weight on him and he's a considerably bigger guy. Yeah. Um yeah, it's, you know, Davis ended up uh I think he's got concussion now, so he yeah. has to go through concussion rolls, miss a good couple of weeks. Parkinson doesn't even seem to be been
0: well, you can't be cited if you've had a yellow. That's the problem. If you get penalised yeah. for it, you can't have a sight. And it's only if it's um, an offence that the referee's missed.
1: Really, I thought they could review it and then say that it should have been red.
0: I think that's Cause... only if World Rugby find that there is sufficient outrage on Twitter. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Actually, I remember...
0: Yeah, it's the Joe Marla clause, that. That they can uh, step yeah. in and, and do whatever they want if there's sufficient outrage on Twitter. Uh, what were you saying, <laughs> anyway, Ian?
1: There was a Glasgow game a couple of years ago where um I can't remember who we were playing but uh, Clancy was refereeing it and uh Nakarabas had a punch at somebody. Clancy reviewed it, yellow carded him, but then he got cited afterwards and they said that should have been a red card offence. So I don't, I think if you get yellow carded but then it's decided it should be a red card.
0: Maybe, maybe. Someone yeah. someone listening will be able to tell us no doubt. Um, John, your hands in the rug before we before we bid everyone farewell for another week.
3: Yeah, I'll I'll keep it quite quite um, short this week. Um, Scottish fans, um, who well, let's all let's all just calm down a bit, please. Um, the 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 sort of outrage uh, and we touched on this earlier on. The outrage after losing that game at the weekend was like actually uh, there was times over the weekend where I just turned my phone off and just didn't look at anything because. Some of the things people were saying were frankly ridiculous, and I get that we're you know we're in this place now where we're um, we're more competitive, so you know people expect more of the team and and, and all these these different things that people come away with. But it, we're still we were up against a very very strong Welsh side uh, at the weekend, and we lost a game of rugby by eleven points. That there's absolutely no shame in that, and you know there's there's people talking about players' international careers being over, and you know, oh, Gregor Townsend hasn't got a clue. It's it's just such an overreaction. It, it was almost funny, actually.
0: Yeah, there
1: I'm was playing that... the third best team in the world at home. Yeah, <laughs>
0: you know, it's it was that thing. I think I've posted something on the Scottish Rugby before. Well, it was, I reposted it. something <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was on Twitter.
1: Oh, God.
3: the banter.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A bit, of a bit of crack, just on all I'd said was it was a video of Adam Hastings dancing before the game started, having a wee sing song to himself in the middle of the pitch, and I just said, "People compare Adam Hastings to Finn Russell, but I don't see the similarities myself." Just as a bit of a chat, and then all these like really guys going, "Oh, you're quite right, actually. There's nothing at all similar with them. I thought Adam Hastings had a very poor game, actually. I was like, oh God, guys, come on. <laughs>
3: He's got half the talent of Finn Russell.
0: Yeah, actually I think it and then when I said, Oh come on guys, I'm just having a wee joke, they went, Well, it's still a very interesting point you've got there. Let's have a wee, <laughs> wee let's <laughs> all have a wee moan underneath this jokey bit here.
1: See, I I I love seeing somebody like that, you know, somebody with that kind of confidence. And uh, when Scotland played uh Tonga, uh like twenty fourteen or fifteen and Finn Russell went off and he was getting interviewed at Cider Pitch and he started doing the Russell shuffle. Dancing, yep. yeah. You can see Sean Lamont in the background, um, suggesting that Finn Russell enjoys the company of his own pleasure. <laughs> 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 with a, with a hand gesture. You know hand like people get really pissed off like at Finn Russell for you know, if he misses kick to touch, he, he has a wry smile <clears throat> and he has a smile has a laugh. And they go, Well, oh, he should be taking us seriously, this is ridiculous. That's just his coping mechanism, and you know, it's, it's Adam Hastings says warm up. He's just like, right, you know what? I'm confident. I'm gonna have a wee dance. It's cool. I'm just going through my drills. Yeah. You no, know, would you rather it, he acts like Owen Farrell and goes up and starts punching people in the touch, you know, <laughs> as they're walking off? No, just you know, each to their own.
0: Know, <laughs> and that's that. I think <laughs> it's it's what John was saying earlier. That shows the mentality that we're getting in Scotland within the team. That you know, that resilience is that should be applauded. You know he he yep. miss, misses a kick to touch, but then still puts in a really good solid performance that you know like you said, you know what we would have given for Phil Godman not to collapse under that sort you know world ca- class <laughs> Phil Godman to not have collapsed after one kick to I was looking why was I looking back today? I don't know why I did this to my oh no, that's because i was i was I was considering doing the four Yorkshireman sketch at one point, and I was torturing myself by watching the two thousand and seven game against Italy, where we shipped oh, twenty points in the first six minutes, do you know. We're not there not sure anymore, thank, ridiculous. and thank, you know, thank thank God we're not, but yeah, so we should be, we should be very, we should be grateful for the mentality that some of these young guys are showing, so um, on that note, anyway, we will bid, because we're, we're probably reaching an hour and a half mark now, and we will bid you all farewell <laughs> for this week, um, and we will uh, be back next week post-Fiji, um, should be myself and Rory and A.N. Other, um, I think I'm doing the, um, I'm, I might be doing the player ratings this week, so yeah. Um, watch out for that one i think the last time i haven't been allowed near them since i gave everyone not out of town against <laughs> england a few years ago <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah so um, anyway it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Gianandeh hey. yeah. <laughs> cheerio
2: bye <Cheerio-bye. laughs>